This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast, very best bits of today's show. It is a Friday, the 5th of January. What have we got for you? Well, looking ahead to some key economic data later on today. US jobs report is out. Big implications for us here in the UAE in terms of interest rates in America. We're going to hear from the economist Jean Walters of Emirates MBD in Dubai and Professor Hart Hodges in the United States. What else? Big focus on the Red Sea and the Suez Canal at the moment, and in particular, the impact that it might have on us here in the UAE. So, going to kick off by hearing from Kurti Magnani. Who's he? He's the head of procurement at the supermarket chain Choitrums, and he says it is now beginning to have an impact on their procurement, stocking the shelves in UAE supermarkets. Also going to get the thoughts of AJ Sadana, who's an insurance expert based out of Singapore. What does it mean for insurance premiums, both with the ships that do go through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea, but also those that go around the Cape of Good Hope instead? And finally, Dubai Duty Free. Cracking set of numbers for 2023 for Dubai Duty Free. Record sales, 6% above pre-pandemic levels. Tom has been speaking to the Chief Operating Officer there, Ramesh Kadambi. All that to come. First up, though, those big economic stories. busy day of economics. Non-farm payrolls is out later in the United States and we care because that could have a big impact on the future direction of interest rates. Yep, your home loan, your car loan or your corporate loan. So Jean Walters is following it closely. She's a senior economist at Emirates MBD. This is what she told us. US non-farm payroll data for December is due to be published later today. This data gives the Fed an overview of the health of the US labour market which has thus far shown remarkable resilience in the face of large Q cumulative interest rate hikes. Non-farm payrolls are expected to have increased by 175,000 in December after gaining just short of 200,000 in November, while consensus expectations are that the US unemployment rate will have ticked up to 3.8% from 3.7% in November. The US labour market is likely to be a key variable in future interest rate decisions, with Fed officials likely wanting to see a degree of cooling in the still tight labour market, particularly when it comes to wages, before they begin to cut rates. This has implications for us here, as the UAE central bank generally matches Fed interest rate decisions. So what's the likely direction of those interest rates? We crossed live to America earlier on. Speaking to Professor Hart Hodges, who's he? Well, he's the director of the Center for Economic and Business Research in the Department of Economics at Western Washington University. This is what he had to say about rates. Well, I think the main narrative is that inflation is falling and, and folks were hoping that the Federal Reserve could start lowering rates this spring. I I think what you're looking at right now, though, is the data through the end of 2023 suggests some strength. Uh, Inflation probably not getting down to the Federal Reserve's target of 2% until the end of 2024 or even early 2025. And and all of that suggests that they're not going to be able to lower rates until late spring at the earliest. So what do I expect to see? I think rates stay a little bit higher for a little bit longer than stock market and many people are, are uh, already betting. Uh, what would I like to see? Uh, I'd, I'd love to see rates coming down a little bit sooner, reducing stress on commercial loans and so on. 
You and me both, Professor Hodges, but I've been saying that for a long time now. Maybe it's purely selfish because I have a home loan here with a floating rate mortgage pegged to interest rates in the US dollar, like lots of other people. And that's happening later on today. Of course, we'll have full details on what it means for us on Monday morning on the Business Breakfast. The other story we're covering today is, of course, the situation in the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. Mask is on again, off again, on again, off again in terms of using the Red Sea and the Suez Canal at the moment. Many shipping lines choosing to take the longer route around the Cape of Good Hope. Brandy, you've been speaking to one insurance expert about this. Yeah, I have indeed. Having a look at what it adds to the cost um, of moving goods around the world. AJ Sadana is the head of uh, many things, including marine, energy and aviation at the India International Insurance Company. He was speaking to us live this morning from Singapore. Uh, he was talking to us about the percentage of value, the percentage of hull, basically, um, that the rates have gone up to, to about half of 1%. But we wanted to put that in actual dollar context, which is what he did. Talking in very simple terms now, what if a vessel, the freight charges, the vessel what was taking, for example, $1,000 for one route for one container, now it has gone up to $1,500. It means that the effect on the normal commodity will go up by for close to 20 to 30% up. And what happens if vessel going through Red Sea is actually hit? So what I'm talking about is 300 vessel detouring means close to 4.3 million containers. And if one vessel is hit by any missile or any kind of war situation, you're down by close to 1,000 to 2,000 containers. And this has a knock-on effect for so many things. Of course, it has a knock-on effect for the shipping of goods to shops, to retail destinations, and indeed business to business. But also people moving house, as many do, in and out of Dubai. We've been speaking to, or rather Georgia and the team from The Agenda have been speaking to Stefania Sierra, who's the general manager of DASA International Movers based here in Dubai. This is what she had to say to Georgia. We are seeing delays on both um, going out and coming in. And even if the situation was to clear 100% tomorrow, we can expect this delay to extend for a further six to eight weeks before we go back to some sort of normality. And interestingly, Brandy, this is impacting not just people heading west who will be using or would like to be using the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, but even people heading east as well. You've been speaking to some people planning to move east to Asia at the moment, and it is having an impact. Yeah, everyone's thinking about it. It's a supply and demand thing. It is longer to uh, get around some routes than others. And that is indeed one of the things that Tom's been speaking about this morning, not about house moving, but about um, food moving, really. Curtie McCartney is the Head of Procurement from Choitrams. We're going to hear a full interview with him in about 15 minutes. But Tom basically said to him, what impact um, is the situation in the Red Sea having for you on getting groceries into Dubai? We have been seeing a delay of at least two to three weeks for all the consignments that are coming through through the Suez Canal. Um, we are now, all of us are on all looking for options to circumvent you know, that, that route and maybe come through the route of uh, South Africa. Uh, but what we have been told, and it is true that that will take more than uh, three weeks extra for the for the consignments to come in and also it'll it'll cost us extra so we are we are looking at those options but definitely we are uh, we are not going to risk the the old route yeah, and the knock-on effects as well are varied. I've had someone point out to me this morning, what about the economic impact for Egypt, which is a disaster? They rely on Suez transfer fees. Um, so boats not going through Suez has a knock-on effect for the Egyptian economy. Tom speaking to the guys from Choitrams. Indeed, Tom's been our retail correspondent this morning. Fly by 
Yeah, we've been uh, talking to Dubai Duty Free. That's, of course, their theme tune from a few years back. Might need to have a 2024 revamp of that one. Well, the Who remix. Knows? The remix, the 40-year remix. Com doing it Gangnam style is what yeah. you're saying. Now 40 uh, from DDF. That's what I call 40. Uh, we uh, heard from, well, we, you'll be, here to be able to hear from Ramesh uh, Kidambi, who's the Chief Operating Officer, Dubai Duty Free, reflecting on those record numbers for 2023 a little later on this morning. We've also been speaking to the Exec Vice Chairman and CEO, um, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, he came in uh, just before Christmas to reflect on the year that was. Here's Colm McLaughlin. So far this year, we have done 18 million transactions in Dubai Duty Free, and that means we've sold 49 million items of merchandise, and we're very happy with that. And it's the best we've ever had. So that was 49 million items on December the 14th. Uh, they finished on 55 million, so they did 6 million items in the space of what 15 16 days not bad going is it that is going some isn't it not bad business not bad business for the the boys and girls in the turquoise jackets um uh who have had a record year and uh, you know what and we uh, we had a we had a chat with Ramesh about this a little bit earlier on the numbers are one thing i mean look we're not immune to record-breaking numbers here especially when it's got anything to do with all things aviation but the way they've done that because you know, Dubai Duty Free is something that has changed fundamentally. I mean, shopping, commerce has changed fundamentally in the 40 years that they've been doing business. For them to remain relevant in that field and to do those sort of numbers, I think is very significant and is quite unique to this part of the world. You mentioned the fact earlier, and it's one of those things that you don't think about it until someone points it out. Um, I couldn't name the name of the duty-free or picture the branding or anything else for pretty much any other airport around the world. Is that just because I live here? I'm not sure. It just, it, yeah, it wasn't part of... When I was growing up in the UK, I couldn't have told you, you know, the first thing about duty-free at Heathrow, Gatwick or any other airport for that matter. It didn't have the sort of presence that it does here. And I didn't see Heathrow duty-free or whatever they're called sponsoring the Derby. <laughs> and it's almost what you might call the skywards effect brandy that just because aviation is so important in dubai to everyone's life so many touch points the the air miles of the local airline is a topic of dinner conversation in the way that it just isn't in most places yeah there, well, look there's a number of reasons for that there is the mine effect that if we were a mining town then aviation is the mine isn't it even if you're not working in it uh directly your friends are your kids are going to school with you know the the children of pilots whatever when there's um stuff going on at emirates it affects everybody it has a, a, a much wider effect then don't we just move more i think than mm. the average bear. Yeah. We're on planes more, we're buying stuff more, we're collecting more miles. It's the expertiness. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and it, it does play, and it, and it always has played a, a role, I think, in our lives here. But I think that, again, not to, to, to celebrate, you know, but to, I think it's because our mindset, of, but I remember when we, you know, when we first got here, and I keep banging on about this, 20 years ago, etc. you would plan your purchases from duty-free because you knew you were going to get your perfume cheaper. You knew you were going to get your laptop cheaper. You knew you were going to get your mobile phone cheaper. You'd wait. You'd wait, but you'd plan accordingly. But now since then, you know, you've got your 
Black Fridays and White Mondays and, and whichever Yellow Tuesdays, etc. And all sorts of available uh, deals available online. So why would you wait? But that's the same for everything. I was having the, funny enough, Christmas present conversation about my dad the other day. He's not sitting there thinking, oh, I really hope Brandy buys me some AirPods for Christmas because mine are bust. He goes out and buys himself more AirPods. Yeah. Yeah. And gets them delivered to the house, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, New Zealand. Maybe not. Okay. Pigeon. But it's just, yeah, the, the, the fact that, that, that you, you don't need to do, but the, the fact that they're still doing record numbers is, is, is kudos to everything that's going there. Well then, team. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Okay, let's turn our attention now to the uh, cost of rising tensions in the Red Sea, not just political, but also, of course, commercial. Uh, we are reading daily reports from around the world of delays in the supply chain, which... Uh, are uh, invariably going to re- re- relate, uh, relate to a rise in cost. Uh, Next uh, is one of the latest retailers over in the UK to warn that stock could be delayed by the rising tensions in the Red Sea. BMW, IKEA, Nestle uh, also thought to be impacted uh, after several shipping firms, including Maersk and Hapak Logged, sus- suspended their sailings through the area. So a lot of international concern. But what about here regionally? What about here in the UAE? What will the delays to global trade uh, mean to, well, the supermarket uh, shelves and uh, alleys here? Well, let's ask the head of procurement at Choitrams. Uh, Kirti Magnani joins us now live here on The Business Breakfast. Kirti, thanks so much indeed for your time. Thank you. Thank you for calling me. So... The Red Sea is uh, obviously, we're monitoring developments on a daily basis at the moment, as I'm sure you and your team are as well. What, in terms of what's going on there, is what impact is that having on getting stuff here for you? Yeah, uh, so uh, we have been uh, monitoring the situation for almost um, uh, a few weeks now. And what what we have uh, discovered is that it's already uh, kicking in. We have been seeing a delay of at least two to three weeks for all the consignments that are coming through through the Suez Canal. Um, we are now all of us are on all looking for options to circumvent you know that that route and maybe come through the route of uh, South Africa. Uh, but what we have been told, and it is true that that will take more than uh, three weeks extra for the for the consignments to come in, and also it'll it'll cost us extra. So we are we are looking at those options. But definitely, we are uh, we are not going to risk the the old route. What products are being affected by this? I mean, you'd think that more of the durable products that are packed in containers will get here. But what about frozen products, etc.? Surely that's going to have an impact. Yeah. So uh, in our in in our in industry, FMCG, uh, food and non-food, all of them are going to get uh, affected, including frozen, because all of these are coming by sea. Hmm. I think it's the perishables that might not get affected, but but we again we have to wait and see because if the air freight uh, volume starts increasing, it might it might get into a um, a situation where air freight uh, pro- uh, prices might might go up. Um, obviously, uh, Choitrams, as like many uh, supermarket chains here, stock a number of international brands yeah. as well, uh, a lot of European imports yeah. as well. Yeah. A lot of people would assume if it's just the sewers that's being affected, it's just going to be European products. Is that the case? Uh, no, we are we are seeing some uh, some some routes from the US and Canada also use the Swiss Canal, so it's not only uh, the the European products that are going to get affected, but we are still waiting again to see how the US uh, is is going to react on this. 
if they find a route which is not not through the Suez Canal, then I might, then it might not get affected. However, I think uh, there is also this uh, uh, general uh, perception or let's say uh, talk going on that even routes from the east might get affected for uh, as, uh, you know as far as the pricing is concerned. So if there is a surge in pricing, yes. it might not just be products from the west. True, it might be products. It might be for, from the east also. Let's talk about the, the pricing, if we can. What is the impact on pricing? And how do you, as head of procurement of such a huge chain as Chaitram's here, deal with that impact? Uh, so uh, we, we will not rise our prices on the shelves immediately. That's not going to happen because it, it's, it, it, it has to be, you know, we have to be competitive in the market mm-hmm. and it, it will have to wait and watch, you know, what happens even with the national brands because all the national brands also are coming from Europe, most of them. And uh, we need to be competitive not only with them, but also with, uh, you know, with the market. So the prices are not going to rise as such for consumers immediately. It might not happen. Um, in terms of the sort of timeline you would give yourself on that one, I mean, when you, you mentioned that you are monitoring this on a daily basis. Yeah. But when will you get pushed to a point where you will have to make a call on prices? Well, uh, you know, let me give you an example. When when this crisis started around four weeks back, we had prices which which were even higher than what it is today. So I think that that effect is cooling down. Even even the even the shipping lines are now realizing that those prices were were very very high. You know, so it it's all cooling down to a to a point where we could buffer up that uh, you know those those prices in, into our cost, but not rise the retail price you and your commitment to your customers yep. Troitman's commitment to your customers trying to keep the prices as low as possible yes. as, as always especially with cost of living crisis as it is at the moment and again playing devil's advocate here playing the bad cop do the do the shipping lines do do, do producers take advantage of situations like this to yes. high prices yes they do they do they have been doing this even even during the pandemic so uh, you know you know like i said it has nothing to do with the east but we have been getting these uh, um, these in- indications that costs from the east are also going to rise, and you know again, like you said, you are playing the devil's advocate. L- let me also do it for them. Uh, the situation is going so bad now that even to find an empty container is going to become a problem. Mm. So I cannot blame them entirely. You know, they they also have their own way of you know working, and if it uh, you know so when I heard this uh, yesterday. I thought, my God, are we going back to those pandemic days? Hmm. You know, where where even finding because you know the the transfer of equipment has to be done very seamlessly. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Um, a lot of analysts, obviously, looking for a solution to the crisis and a speedy solution to the crisis in order uh, to make sure that there isn't an impact on supply chain. How are you reading it at the moment? Is this gonna is this a situation that can be solved quickly, or are you concerned that it could run on? Um, well, I'm I'm not too um, too much into this the way it works, you know, from a, from a political angle. But I think uh, many of these countries will have to come together to find a solution mm-hmm. of how to contain these uh, these elements at the Red Sea. If 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 that does not happen, then it it'll still continue to happen, and that will be a concern to to yes. you and your customers. Um, this obviously is coming off the back of what one would assume is a busy time of year, the holiday season at the end of 2023. Was that a good time of the year for you and Choitram? So that acted as a little bit of a buffer for what could be a, a, a sticky start to 2024? Yeah, so, you know, it's not only us, but most of the retailers and the distributors, they work at least, you know, three to four months in advance. 
So the holiday season which just went through was planned much earlier. So there was not any effect. I think uh, it's it's only during Ramadan and Easter that we might find some kind of effects that will trickle in due to this problem. It's interesting you mentioned Ramadan and Easter. Uh, Ramadan uh, scheduled for uh, early March this True. year. It is an early Ramadan yes. uh, this year, as we've seen it moving year after year. Um, is, again, is that something that could act as a little bit of a buffer for you? If people are starting to prepare for Ramadan and Easter already, could that help the industry? Uh, we will we'll have to wait and watch. You know what what happens to those uh, those commodities or the the stocks that are coming in from uh, from Europe. You know if if at all we find that we uh, we are able to sell it at the same prices, I think I think it will work. Easter, you know, to be honest, you know, as an example, we've been monitoring our Easter stocks, which are uh, currently uh, stocked up in our hub in the UK. You know, and we've been monitoring it on an almost on a daily basis as. When we are going to get that container, when is it going to be loaded and through which route it's going to come. Kirti, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Thanks for joining us this morning, explaining the situation a little bit further. Uh, Kirti Magnani is the Head of Procurement for Choitrams, joining us live in studio. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. And here's AJ Sadana, the Head of Marine Hull, Cargo, Energy, Aviation and Reinsurance at India International Insurance, based in Singapore, where he joins us from this morning on Teams, having a look at what the the standoff, the attacks, the security issues in the Red Sea means for the cost of insurance for shipping in general. AJ, good morning. It's lovely to speak to you. Hi, good morning. What have we seen happen to the cost of insuring vessels and their cargo transiting the Red Sea since the attacks started? Uh, so I'll be very crisp about the Red Sea and the exposure to the insurance industry. So whenever a vessel goes to the Red Sea, despite knowing that the war is in the high risk and there are missiles getting from anywhere, whether it is Houthis or Iran or wherever the missile is coming from, there are two types of basic covers for these vessels in the Red Sea operate. One is the hull risk. One is the war risk. Hull is always okay for the insurance when the war is on because whenever a missile or something happens during the war, the hull cover does not cover it but the war cover actually is the main hit. So we can see the war cover rates going up to maybe 10 to 20 times during these times. For an example, if a hull vessel of 100 million, the rate on the premium is 0.1% for an annual cover of hull. But at the same time for the war cover, just for seven days, the rate can go up to 025 to 0.3%. At times it is 0.5% because the likelihood of getting hit in the Red Sea increases. And what we have seen in the last few days, in the last month, what I read in one of the article, there were 100 attacks in Red Sea on the vessels, smaller and the bigger ones. It got highlighted when one of the most vessels got hit by three smaller ships. So it goes in the war cover and war cover is quite volatile at these markets. So as far as insurance is concerned, we are quite conservative in our approach. So it's it's very difficult to give the war coverages in during these time and it is quite known and inevitable for any vessel to get hit there. And it is actually affecting most of the economies because 300 vessels are planning or they have already derouted their transit voyages from instead of Red Sea through Africa. So what happens when it goes through Africa? The longer time takes, it's almost like plus 25% to reach the destination. And Red Sea is the one which connects from Asia to Mediterranean Sea and then to Europe. It is a very difficult time when actually these war situations give a hit to the insurance industry to cover these vessels in the present scenarios.
Okay, let's put this in in context because people listening are going to think right. Half a percentage point of the uh, of the of the ship's hull value. What does that actually mean? What are we talking per vessel? I realise that's a broad question, but just to give us some kind of scope, what could we be talking here? Talking in very simple terms now. What if a vessel? the freight charges the vessel what was taking for example $1000 per one route for one container now it has gone up to $1500 it means that the effect on the normal commodity will go up by for close to 20 to 30% up and what happens if vessel going through red sea is actually hit so what i'm talking about is 300 vessel detouring means close to 4.3 million containers and if one vessel is hit by any missile or any kind of war situation you are down by close to 1000 to 2000 vessels uh, containers when those containers don't reach the destination the commodity price goes up the insurance industry hit by the claims and the vessel cost is not less like these days it's close to like 50 60 million and close to 100 million these days as an average vessel value so those are the loss to the economy overall so it impacts the economic growth as well for the countries when it known for trade okay you mentioned the fact that the insurance cost has has saved changed several times has that task force from the us and its allies made any difference to insurance has it lessened that war premium at all or, or not impacted it uh even if there is us alliance or intervention with the stronger economies but if we go to the ground realities uh we don't think that when attacks are done by houthis or some countries which don't believe in the alliance it can hit your vessel any day and that is what is happening the real ground scenario so that's why the premium rates definitely is not going to come down because the risk is really high i mean if it was a scenario then why 300 vessels are actually planning to detour or not going to red sea because they have another challenge first they have to cross red sea then through suez canal they have to enter mediterranean sea even if we enter mediterranean sea there is another situation going on there it's it's good for uh, israel that the iron dome is protecting the missiles but what if the missiles go the other way around in the mediterranean sea and they are hit so it's not only about the war it's about the dormant torpedoes and the missiles in the seabed we have seen vessels got hit by those dormant torpedoes as well after the war so war situation is not so easy for any kind of trade so it's not about the current scenarios it also leaves us with the Uh, with the circumstances going forward maybe 2 years 3 years down the line is these are these routes still reinsurable aj they are they are insurable at some cost and there are capacities doing these insurance but very difficult because every time as an insurance industry so i am actually looking for the global business sitting here for this marine uh, insurance but whenever we see we receive a vessel going to red sea or mediterranean sea we are quite scared so in fact no premium can actually take away the losses what a vessel may hit imagine you are taking 0.25% on a 100 million vessel if the vessel goes down no premium can actually justify that loss because the certainty of the loss is really high it is insurable it comes with the cost and comes with the capacity i don't know whether companies are having capacity so once you are hit your capacity goes off so there would be less number of players and i'm asking there about the the reinsurance whether the insurers themselves are are able to insure their risk a uh, good question sorry for not taking it up earlier but there is a gap there is always a gap with reinsurance and insurance so when we go to the reinsurance there is always a jwla 
that is joint war listed areas that is a list which actually restricts the movement of the vessels or the voyages from these particular areas but if you are taking an additional premium has to be charged but during the conversation with the reinsurers they are also quite conservative about these situations and even they don't want they are very restricted they don't want to cover these voyages but as the market is still accepting the voyages at an additional premium reinsurance is available as of now for red sea but it comes at a cost Manjay Sadana, Head of Marine Hull Cargo Energy Aviation and Reinsurance at the India International Insurance Company, speaking to us this morning live from Singapore. We've had quite the focus on the knock-on effects um, of the uh, the standoff um, of the attacks in the Red Sea this morning. Uh, Georgia yesterday was looking at what it has meant for people moving house, basically, moving into Dubai and the UAE, putting their belongings on, on ships that go to see. Uh, also having a look this morning at what it means for produce. Tom's been speaking to the guys um, from Choitrums about what it means for their prices. Uh, and there we've just been speaking to AJ about what it means for the cost of insuring vessels. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. So one of the big headlines we are covering for you this morning is of course those record numbers from Dubai Duty Free. Sales soaring to a record $2.16 billion in 2020. Uh, Let's get more on those numbers now by our special guest joining us live on the line, live via Microsoft Teams, is the Chief Operating Officer of Dubai Duty Free. It is uh, a warm welcome and a Happy New Year to Ramesh Kidambi. Ramesh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Tom. Great to be on the show as always with you and Brandy and Richard. Well, kind of you to join us, especially uh, in light of uh, the record-breaking, eye-catching numbers. Just run us through those numbers and how significant they are. The numbers are very significant, Richard you know, we, and Tom. We, we did $7.885 billion, which is about $2.1 billion. It's a record for Dubai Duty Free. The previous record we had was $7.4 billion in 2019. And uh, we had a record month in December with 807 million. The previous record was 804 million. We did it with 87 and a half million passengers. And uh, we did better than the passenger growth in terms of sales. And uh, it's been a fantastic year for Dubai Duty Free. Interesting uh, looking at the executive vice chairman's comments on the back of these numbers. Colin McLaughlin saying that uh, we're thrilled to have achieved our target sales for the year, uh, exceeding those target sales. But is that part and parcel of the success of Dubai Duty Free? Uh, The fact that uh, the, the, the targets seem to be so ambitious year on year and yet you keep hitting them. Yes, it's due to the leadership of Mr. McLaughlin, the support of... His Highness Sheikh Ahmed and the fantastic team that we have at Dubai Duty Free that, that we are able to exceed the target we had set ourselves of 7.5 billion for this year and finished up at 7.885 billion. And it's really a credit to the team and credit to the growth of passengers at Dubai Airport and the fact that we were able to do a little better than the passenger growth because the spend per passenger was higher than what we had anticipated when he did the 7.5 billion target. It's up, up and away. Uh, but one thing that remains the same is uh, the categories. Perfumes yeah. are remaining top of the category bestsellers. Yeah, perfumes remains on top. But the real story, I think, when you compare it to 2019, is luxury and fashion. And that is now about 12% of our business. And the growth that we see with brands like Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Dior, 
and uh, Gucci and Cartier, you know, was was the real difference when you go back and compare five years. In terms, in terms of who's buying at the moment as well, a- any major change in source markets? I think the the Russian business was very strong for the, us this year. It was about 110% higher than what it was in 2019. And that was, a, that was a big change. And the Chinese passengers came back, but they spent less than what they used to spend before. The passenger recovery was about 70% in terms of numbers, but the sales recovery was only 60%. So I would say those two things, the increase in the Russian business and the drop in the Chinese business are the two main stories for 2023. Ramesh, in terms of, I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier on on the show and the changing face of Dubai duty-free. And of course, significant year, significant month last month for duty-free, celebrating their 40th anniversary. But uh, they've remained top of the list, while other duty-frees uh, have lagged a little bit behind globally. One thing that you have done is move with the times and online sales has been a part of that. Is that still part of the figures? It's still part of the figures. You know, we do about 2% of our business overall online but we are predominantly in the physical space and the online space is something really that complements what we do in our shops because we offer a click and collect service and uh, and it's more for and we have had a good presence online in terms of digital marketing and also to tell our customers what we have on offer when they go online but the majority of our sales sales still remains in our shops and that's what I find most staggering, Ramesh, is because uh, and a lot of people will turn around and go, yeah, yeah, but, you know, Emirates did record numbers, Dubai Airports did record numbers, etc. There's more footfall. And yet to stay relevant, to still being able to do 55,000 transactions daily, is that all part of the sort of the evolution, constantly thinking outside the box for duty-free sales? No, absolutely. The, the big reason for it, Tom, is that we are constantly evolving the retail offer. We are constantly renovating, refurbishing. Now, we added all the fashion brands that I mentioned earlier. In 2023, we started a renovation of the liquor shop in Concourse B. In 2024, we are doing the renovation of all the arrival shops and the perfumes and cosmetic shops in Concourse A. So the effort is really in continuously renovating and keeping the retail offer fresh. And that translates into higher spend. You know, our spend per passenger in 2023 it was six dirhams more than what it was in 2019 and uh, and that's the reason for that is really the the development of the retail offer you and your team have moved with the times uh, and have done throughout the last 40 years what what about the sort of changing demands of the customer though has the uh, the demand of a, of a passenger at arrivals or departure has that changed and do you have to sort of stay a pace of that no, absolutely. The passenger expects a better experience, you know, especially in fashion and luxury. Hmm. He expects better convenience, whether it's at the point of sale, whether it's in terms of methods of payment. And, uh, and he just expects better service. And our job as a retailer is to stay abreast of that and continue to offer a better experience to passengers. Our mission when we started, Tom, was to provide a first-class service to passengers using Dubai Airport. And as long as we stay close to that mission, I think we'll continue to do well. You've been a standard bearer for duty freeze the world over for a long time. 2024, we're just a few days in. Uh, you saw an 18% increase in headcount in 2023. Recruiting yeah. more this year and what can we expect throughout the next year? Yeah, we are recruiting about 470 staff more in the first half of this year. 
and we'll finish the year with about recruitment of about 780 people. But we are watching the situation carefully. You know, we see some economic headwinds ahead of us in 2024, and we will manage our staff numbers, you know, depending on what uh, the passenger numbers turn out to be and how our business performs in the first half of the year. But to answer your question, we are recruiting 478 people in the first half of this year. And looking forward to 2024, more big developments? Yes, absolutely. The, the renovations that I spoke about in Concourse A and PNC, we're opening three new boutiques in Concourse A at the end of this year, beginning of next year. And we'll finish the work in arrivals in Terminal 1, 2 and 3. We are very keen to improve the arrivals offer. And we'll continue to do work on the digital side, especially on digital marketing and, and getting the message out to the customers who are using the airport. It promises to be a cracking year, especially with the season of horse racing, golf, tennis and Dubai duty free. Very much present in each of those. Ramesh, won't keep you any longer. Really appreciate your time this morning. I know it's a very busy time uh, for you and all the team. So our thanks to uh, the chief operating officer of Dubai duty free, Ramesh Kidambi, reflecting on those record numbers. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.